This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, GoHunt.com Insider is the title sponsor of this podcast. Get everything you need in one spot. Join Insider today. Find and plan your hunts more effectively than ever. Complete state coverage. See detailed information for every unit, every species, every hunt. Interactive maps. Quickly find hunts that meet your exact search criteria and explore them easily. Strategy articles. Learn new things and find hidden opportunities with exclusive articles. Species breakdowns. Top trophy units are hiding in plain sight. Find them with our statistics and historical data. Another great thing about GoHunt.com Insider is they have monthly giveaways that are worth 100000 plus a year. Each month you will automatically be entered to win gear, tags, and hunts. That is if you're an Insider member. Past prizes include a $22,000 doll sheep hunt, uh, three Red Rock Precision Rifles with the $21,000 value, uh, five Zeiss Conquest HD binoculars with a $7,500 value. Not to mention, this past July, they gave away four hunts, an antelope hunt, two elk hunts, and a mule deer hunt. Join Insider today and get a $50 Kuyu gift card. All you have to do is go to gohunt.com forward slash insider, click on the blue Join Now button, use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout, and GoHunt.com will send you a $50 Kuyu gift card. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for being the title sponsor of this podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is August 5th, and today's episode is going to be a little bit of a unique episode. Uh, I have recently uh, had a conversation with Brian Call of The Gritty Bowman, uh, who is another hunting podcast on iTunes, and we decided to do a joint episode. He is going to be airing this episode on his podcast, and I'm going to be airing it on mine. We have a great conversation about a bunch of different topics, and, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get into that, I wanted to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, who is the title sponsor of this podcast and the insider members of GoHunt.com have recently been winning a bunch of hunts the month of July they gave away four hunts they just gave away a $22,500 doll sheep hunt and um, the insider itself is a great researching uh, tool to use when you're applying uh, across all of the western states And I just want to thank them for their sponsorship of this podcast. Uh, You will hear uh, several promotionals in these podcast episodes uh, about GoHunt.com Insider. And I want to urge you guys to go check them out. Uh, Their website, GoHunt.com, is awesome. The Insider portion of GoHunt.com is a fabulous tool for any Western hunter. So go check them out. Uh, use the promo code JSCOTT when signing up for Insider, uh, and you'll get a $50 Kuyu gift card. 
I also want to thank uh, Deadeye Outfitters. Um, DeadeyeOutfitters.com is a lifestyle hunting apparel company for hunters by hunters. Check out episode 45 of this podcast with one of the owners, Nikolai Cavilia, and you'll see what I mean. Deadeye Outfitters makes quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. Use the J. Scott promo code and receive a 10% discount on all purchases at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Listeners have been ordering stuff uh, from DeadeyeOutfitters.com. I get uh, some uh, information from the company and, and there's a lot of my listeners that are enjoying the products there. So um, check them out. Uh, guys, I want to thank you for your support of this podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for all the, the uh, comments. Uh, if you if you would like to send me a comment or question, you can reach me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And a bunch of these episodes are a result of uh, getting questions or getting comments from my listeners requesting certain things that we're going to hear on these podcast episodes. So I appreciate all of the support from you guys. Uh, you can follow along the adventures here at jscottoutdoors.com on our Instagram page at jscottoutdoors. My associate, Dar Colburn, uh, uh, D-A-R-R-C-O-L-B-U-R-N on Instagram. Of course, the Facebook page, J. Scott Outdoors, uh, my personal Facebook page, J. Scott, and the YouTube channel, J. Scott Outdoors. So, uh, guys, let's get right to the episode here with the Gritty Bowman, and uh, we're we're staring hunting season right here in the face uh, up, up, across most all western states. We've got archery deer, archery antelope, uh, all starting here in the next couple of weeks, so um, this fall is going to be an exciting time. I look forward to bringing you uh, lots of content and information here uh, and uh, sharing uh, stuff about our hunt. So uh, thanks for your support and let's get right to the show. All right, folks. Welcome to the Gritty Bowman podcast. I am here today with uh, Jay Scott from uh, Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. And um, for those of you who don't know about Jay, um, we're going to have him introduce himself and tell you a little bit about him. My name's Jay Scott. I'm from Arizona. I'm a avid hunter and fisherman. I've wanted to hunt and fish ever since I was a little kid. I had a unique opportunity in that I didn't really have a lot of opportunity to hunt and fish as a little kid. My my uh, uh, grandmother bought me a, a membership or a subscription to Field and Stream Magazine, I think, when I was five years old. And I can remember as a kid reading every article from start to finish and and being a kid that just wanted to be exposed to the outdoors. And, and um, you know, I had a few friends that dads had hunted and stuff. And I, I went on like a dove hunt and went on a quail hunt and maybe to shoot some rabbits and stuff. And anything that I could do, whether it was fishing for bluegill off the dock or or anything, it was I wanted to hunt and fish. And so um, you know, when I was 14, 15 years old and was finally kind of exposed to it and shot my first deer. Um, and then as soon as I got my first car, you know, and had the ability to go and do the hunting and fishing myself, you know, I was head over heels. I was a golfer ever since I was a little kid and I played golf in high school and college. And quite honestly, by the time I got through college, I was so ready to do something other than golf. And, um, you know, I dove head first into hunting and fishing and, 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 you know, 
I, I'm a perfect example of take a kid hunting and fishing because it was something I wanted to do my whole life. And it was, I was always the kid that was on the side of the river fishing and I would see a boat go by with guys fly fishing out of it. And I just, I said, if I ever get the opportunity, I want that to be me. I, I want to be able to do that stuff. And so, you know, I'm a big proponent of taking kids and introducing them to the outdoors. Um, I want to thank you, first of all, for having me on. And we're also going to do something kind of unique. I'm actually going to replay this episode on my podcast. And I think it's important um, for us as outdoorsmen. Uh, you know, I've never met you, Brian. Um, but I think it's important because we have a common bond of, of being outdoorsmen and, and sportsmen that you know, we share and, and, and you may have listeners that like some of my content. And I know I'm going to have listeners of mine that are going to love your content. So I thought it was important for us to get on and, and have this podcast, um, and just talk about hunting and, and, um, yeah. uh, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, Brian. Well, I, um, well, first of all, when you sent me a message on Facebook and said, Hey, Brian, let's, let's, uh, you know, I'm Jay Scott. Let's, let's do this. I was really excited. You know, honestly, I've been following your podcast since it first came out. Um, I, I love podcasts. I love people. I love the way people interact. I love the whole campfire buddies sitting around and telling stories. I to find myself, you know, in the evenings, you know, when we're out camping, we all kind of congregate around the fire or whatever, and we all sit and we tell stories and talk. And I learned so much from those experiences, and I enjoy them so much that it sort of led me into the whole podcasting thing. Um, and so sometimes, though, you know, as hunters, we can be a little competitive. I yeah. think in general, uh, you know, it's kind of in our nature a little bit. Sure. And so with that, with the egos and the competition, sometimes we, we compete against each other rather than come together and work together. Yeah. So, you know, when you extended that invitation, I jumped on it. I was excited about it. I, I think that it's important that we do that, that sportsmen work together. And yeah. that doesn't mean we don't have different opinions or, oh, or prefer different gear or, or, or have different sponsors or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't also respect each other for, for the contributions that we bring to the table and for, for us as human beings. So I, I, um, I started the gritty Bowman kind of off the cuff. I had a bunch of friends. I, I grew up in, um, Oregon city in Oregon. And I, since I was a kid, just have been drawn to the outdoors, fishing and hunting. And when I, um, you know, I, I, I just, I've been hunting with my cousin since I was, since we were old enough to, to shoot a gun and, and shoot bows. I got my first bow when I was like 11 years old, um, a serious bow and started shooting all the time. And I took that thing everywhere I went and it's been that way ever since. And, um, now I have a core group of friends that, that we go hunt, hunting every year with, but now my kids are getting old enough. I'm taking them out. Um, my biggest passion aside from hunting is, is actually filmmaking. I, I want to make movies. I want to tell stories. And so out on the gritty Bowman website, there's, I just started doing this about, I think in uh, February of this year, I really started putting out some, some video. We have uh, about 10 years of footage that we've just gathered um, 
just with cheap video cameras and phones and stuff over the years. And I started putting that together. And then I went to the full draw film school. I learned how to make a movie and do some filming. And I started using those new skills and tools to, to get out and make, um, make a, uh, film. And we made one last year, um, that's in the full draw, uh, uh, full draw film tour right now. And, and it's a, it's a great film about, father and son and, and the outdoors. And, um, I hope we make a lot more going forward, you know, you know, in preparing for this podcast and, and, uh, I've listened to your podcast before, but I went on your website and I watched some of your videos and I really like the feel and the flavor, you know, it's, um, it's got a real good flavor to it. So, you know, just in the, in the few that I did watch, I thought I, I really like the style of this. And, uh, you know, I think it's, um, you should be commended for in a kind of a society where, you know, big giant stuff and whatever is kind of takes the forefront. I think it's important to bring it back full circle and bring the family aspect into it and bring, you know, the attitudes of hunting and why we do what we do. And, you know, it it sounds like we have similar paths in the fact that you started your podcast in uh, February. I started mine the last week of February. Uh, Good friend, Giannis Patelis, who's the meat eater producer, uh, friends with Stephen Ranella, they had started a podcast and were gained, you know, had some really good traction. And um, I had been on a podcast, uh, Corby Taylor with Wild Game Hunting Pond Podcast, which is a successful hunting podcast last summer. And honestly, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I, I did an interview on elk hunting with him. And and then when Giannis and the Meat Eater did a podcast, I loved what they were doing. And I kind of thought, you know, I, I could do this and I maybe I'll have my own flair or what have you. And, and um, so... I just started my podcast and, you know, as you can attest, um, you know, the support from your listeners, um, getting emails and messages every day, you know, with people saying thank you and people saying, I really enjoy it and I've gotten a lot out of it and I've learned. And it's like, for me, I feel like it's my duty and, and, and I owe it to people to not, not project what I know. Yeah. but have guests on that are very knowledgeable, ask them questions of things that I want to know, which I'm assuming a lot of other people want to know. And so we've taken a real informational, educational kind of approach on, on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. And, you know, the, the, the support has been overwhelming. And, and um, you know, I saw your podcast and enjoyed a few of the episodes that I listened to. And I thought, you know, I need to reach out and uh, let's do a podcast together. And, and uh, so I'm glad we did. Yeah. I um, listened to your show today uh, with Stephen Ranilla, and mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his show because um, I've read all his books and I've watched all, all his, all his episodes of Meat Eater and mm-hmm. I'm on his side a lot because he talks a lot about just the just me eating the the food you kill and, and sure. the animals you kill and, and, and kind of more encompass a lot of the things that I valued in hunting or that I wanted to see in hunting. And I, I heard you guys get into that conversation about trophy hunting and, and the image that, that trophy hunting has today. Sure. Um, and, and I like, I really enjoy his inputs that in his, his viewpoint on these things. And, he so, definitely has a cool perspective. Yeah. yeah. And when I hear when, – when I heard Joe Rogan 
talking one time about podcasts and, and he, he was saying that something that's unique about podcasts, like someone was saying, how do you make money just getting on this, on a podcast and having a conversation or on a you know microphone and having a conversation with someone? I, I don't understand why anybody would sit down and listen to that for, for, for sure, like an hour or two yeah. hours, sometimes three. And he said, uh, look, you know, pod conversation is like man's oldest form of entertainment. Like having a one-on-one or, or having a, a discussion uh, for one hour of length of time, let's say there's so much information that comes out of that. And just naturally through the flow of a conversation that you can't really compare it to things like TV or even radio where it's usually one way, you know? So I, th- I think podcasting is cool. I've always kind of, I've been a big podcast junkie for a long time. So I, I've learned a lot through podcasts and a lot of times what I learn the most is through the tangents that a podcast goes down. Sure. Uh, Little bunny trails. Yeah. I heard Stephen Ronella talk to uh, someone on the show the other day and they'll go off for 10 minutes on something that's completely unrelated to the topic. I love how Giannis's <laughs> role is to reel Ronella yeah. back in and, and knowing both of those guys, like I do, you know, it's, it's fun to see them in their element, but the reality is they are, Steve Ranella and Giannis are 100% just like that in real life. There is no acting. (laughs) That is just them. Right. And, you know, I always, uh, you know, kind of poke fun at Ranella saying I've got to have a thesaurus or a dictionary around (laughs) because he uses these big, huge words and um, very intelligent. I I, I really enjoy their show. Um, I've enjoyed hunting with them and they're good guys and and they bring a really neat perspective to, to hunting. I think coming from Arizona where I do, you know, Arizona is a real trophy oriented state, meaning uh, we, our state gets managed for high end uh, older age class animals, which in turn leads to big antlers, you know, big deer, big mule deer, big antelope, big elk and big sheep. And so it's kind of part of who we are as hunters in Arizona that we go out and instead of saying, did you kill a bull? It's how big a bull, right? How, what did he score? (laughs) Oh, he wasn't 350. What were, you know, what were you thinking? And, but I think people that don't live in a state that's truly trophy managed for high end trophy quality. um, If they were to live there, they probably would be the same way. Just as if I lived in a state that wasn't as trophy oriented I would probably not have as much emphasis on trophy. And so I always tell people that I am a trophy hunter, but I think a lot of it of being a trophy hunter, one is trying to harvest an older animal, a more mature animal. We are fortunate in most of my hunting in Arizona and and Northern Mexico is um, you have the ability to look at a lot of animals and you have the ability to choose and to be picky. Yeah. If I, if I were to just go out and hunt for meat, which I do, but if I were to just hunt for meat, my hunt would be over within an hour because our state is so animal rich and I like to hunt. I, right. I just assume on a 14 day hunt, kill on the 13th or 14th morning and get that <laughs> whole time to look at animals and enjoy God's creation. And, and to me, uh, you know, yes, I am a trophy hunter, but I can talk about trophy hunting all day long because it's not just about the trophy. It's about the hunt 
But if you throw me in an environment where you have the ability, like if I were to go on a doll sheep hunt and I was in a concession that, you know, had lots of rams, well, I'm going to go there and try and harvest the most mature, the oldest, the biggest ram that I can. That's just the way I'm, just the way I am. Yeah. I remember um, my uncle lives in Flagstaff, my uncle Kevin Call, and he owns High Point Outfitters. And um, I'm always giving him a hard time because it's always, we're always talking about inches when we're talking to to Uncle Kevin. And so I'll say, you know, I just tell him he's spoiled because I'll I'll show him some animal I got. And he's like, yeah, he's good job, you know? Yeah. But But you can tell that he's like, (laughs) why did he shoot that? Yeah. And so I was applying for Arizona. Uh, one time I went down there and I, and I, I was at a family, we were at a reunion. I'm at his house and he's like, Hey, let's go scout for some elk. Let's go check them out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So this is August. They're still in velvet, but, but they're almost about to, to shed. And we get in the car and we drive down the road five minutes and there's like 10 bulls. And we went a little bit further and a little bit further that morning. We counted like 70 bulls and he kept going. Man, I wish there was a bit, well, big one I could show you. And we're looking at like 370 bulls and he's not excited. Yeah. I'm I'm freaking out. Yeah. And we drive all the way around and finally he gets out of the truck and there's look at that bull. Look at that bull. And there's some 400-inch bull on this hill and that's what it took to get him excited. Yeah. 3 385, 390, not quite. The 400 tipping 400 all of a sudden. Yeah. Now we had something to get out of the truck for, you know. You know, and I think it's all a matter of perspective. And yeah, I, I haven't you, grown up with that. I I had no yeah. idea. And and so he goes. He told me, um, Brian. I I was like, I need to hunt here. I need to come to Arizona and hunt. And he said, Well, okay. Um, and I told him, I just want to shoot a six by six. And he goes, Uh, that's pretty much in any unit. And I was yeah. like. Uh, you can go on the worst units. Yeah, and, yeah, he's like, we can do that in a couple of years, few years. I mean, just a, he goes, but Brian, you really, I'm telling you, you want to hold out. You you want to go over unit nine, maybe ten. So I'm like, hmm. So I start applying. I yeah. get I get about four or five years into it, and I'm like, look, I'm doing the. I'm math. ready. I'm doing the I'm math. Ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I would rather go and hunt there three times. In the, in the, and shoot just an, uh, a, 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 an average six by six type of bull, uh, and come home, then go there one time and shoot a 400 inch bull. I just, it yeah. doesn't. You, yeah. You're in for the experience, the bugling, the interaction and, and just the fun of the hunt. And that's great. And I think that's but, refreshing and fantastic. But, but like Kevin, he's been there. He's already done that. He's experienced yeah. that since he was a kid in Arizona. And so for him, He's way more advanced in 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 his in the amount of elk he's encountered and and hunted and stuff just because of the state he lives in to the point where yeah if he did what I did a few years ago in Arizona it would be kind of boring yeah. for him and too yeah. and, and over too quickly but but for me it was a real treasure you know yeah yeah for sure I have not met your um, uncle I I know of him and I know some people that do know him. Uh, I see the uh, big animals that they do harvest and shoot, and I admire what they do. And um, surprisingly, I have not met him. I believe my hunting partner Dar has met him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean Arizona is just a it's a cool kind st- of a free, it's a cool state. It's kind of a freak of nature. I mean, I'm fortunate. I, I guide in in the state, and 
and guide for some of the biggest sheep in the world. You know, we have incredible bighorn sheep. We have incredible elk, coos deer, mule deer, antelope. And, you know, people ask me, well, don't you want to hunt bull elk every year? And I say, well, I am an outfitter. I'm a guide. So I get to, you know, I spend 30 days, I spend the entire month of September. I have for the last 20 years videoing, photographing, patterning, and looking at bull elk. And um, to me, I, I like chasing them with this video camera just as much as I do with a bow. Um, I, I love taking photos of them. I love taking video. And, you know, Arizona is, is, is definitely a really nice place to, to, to be from, for sure. I've got a question for you on that, like um, as a guide. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the listeners that have come to the Gritty Bowman podcast have been do-it-yourself hunters. You know, we've mm-hmm. kind of done that. You know, uh, we've talked a lot about just over-the-counter tags kind of yeah. stuff. And you being, you know, in Arizona, and I and I know my uncle being an outfitter. There's a there's definitely within this DIY community a stigma or a negative attitude sure. toward outfitters. Absolutely, or, or anybody who hires an outfitter to go hunting is considered less of a man than or. Yep. You know, he bought his elk. Yeah. What, what are your Let's thoughts? Let's talk on about that? that. Yeah. You know, I think there's several different perspectives. The the first perspective that I that I want to bring to light is I understand the DIY mentality and that the you know the rich guy pays for his animal and that the guy does all the work and the guy just shows up and pulls a trigger. It's been my experience on ninety-nine point nine percent of all of my hunts that the hunter is just as in tune with all of getting his bow tuned, all of how are his broadheads flying, all of every yardage, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, however far, um, you know, having a backup bow, being in shape, having, you know, the equipment and, and, and um, spending time. I, I, I have never that I can think of had a client that just wants to show up and shoot. So I think first and foremost, I think from from my perspective, maybe there are guys like that, but I don't see guys like that. The guys that hire me and I think the same guys that hire your uncle are guys that say, look, because I'm only going to draw this tag every 10 or 15 years, and because this is maybe one of my only opportunities to harvest my best bull or my best ram or my best buck, I am going to, instead of fumbling around on my own, I'm going to spend some money and hire an outfitter who already knows the country inside and out. And I'm going to try and be as efficient as I possibly can. So to me, speaking quite honestly, sometimes I have a problem with the DIY mentality, not in the fact that I think it's great, go out and do it. But if someone wants to be efficient, and they live in Oregon, they don't live in Arizona, they don't have the resources to come down and scout, you know, four or five times like what the tag should be, then maybe it's okay for them to spend money to hire someone that is local and can speed up the process of scouting and where are the animals so that they can have, because tags only come around so often, I think it's important that, from my perspective, that people hunt efficiently. Now, if someone wants to say, I wouldn't hire an outfitter if there was a 500-inch bull and they had him tied to a tree, I don't want to shoot it. I think that's fine. Yeah. 
I do kind of see the gripe between DIY and non-DIY, and I think I just think they need people need to look at it from every perspective. I totally understand wanting to do it on your own and going through all of the struggles to get that bull or get that ram or get that buck. But I also want to say, you know, I know a lot of guys that have paid money that are just as hard a hunter as any DIY guy there is. That does not mean that they're sleeping in late and that they're, you know, not out there hiking around. It just means that they want someone to to shorten the learning curve. Yeah. I'll I'll I think that in some ways in a, what I see is it's uh there's some jealousy involved. Yes. Um, you know, when a, a guy can go out with a tag uh, or with some money and get a tag that others cannot, uh, there's some jealousy involved. But if you pull that aside, you know, if you take, if you, if you pull out that and you look at it analytically, I, I feel like when someone goes out and hires a guide, I know a lot of friends who, who are, have a lot more money than they do time. Right. They just they just have a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of time. Just you know, maybe they could rearrange their lives or change their priorities, but for whatever reason, that's not in the cards for them right now. And hiring a guide just seems to make a lot of sense. Watching my uncle be a guide and seeing what he does to go to to you know to run his his guide service and being someone who actually basically. Um, he had him guide me on a hunt. It really did change my perspective on, on hiring a guide, you know, knowing one personally, you know, and meeting them, yeah. hanging out with them, realizing, you know, that, that, uh, that this isn't like you said, like tying them up. You're not roping that elk and tying them up yeah. to a tree. And I don't want to say that that situation doesn't exist because there are situations, say on a rifle hunt, where it may be as simple as a guy watches an elk and watches him come in and out of a field, in and out, in and out, and the guy shows up and he goes, all right, shoot him. That may happen. It's not happened to me. Yeah. Um, uh, most of all of our hunts, we have to work very hard, blood, sweat, and tears. And, you know, there's ups and downs like with every hunt. I, I, I would say that I, I've known of people that have been strict DIY and, 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 they have actually looked down on people that have gone on guided hunts. And I'm just going to throw this out there. It's a little bit controversial, but it's my opinion. And I've seen some of those same people fall into money. They've had circumstances where all of a sudden now money isn't an issue. And I don't want to say that all DIY is a money issue because it's not. But I've seen situations where people are DIY and they're against any guided hunts. And then all of a sudden their income level gets bumped up. All of a sudden, they're thinking, and I've seen it, where they can go hunt on a little bit of private ground, or they can go on a guided hunt, and all of a sudden, their their tune changes. So the only thing I would say is, if you're DIY, stay DIY, and that's great. Yeah. But don't knock others, and then all of a sudden, circumstances, because to me, going on a guided hunt, let's face it, takes money. Yeah. Okay? You don't have to be rich to go on a guided hunt, but you definitely have to have money disposable income to 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 go on a guided hunt so i i just hate when i see people that have been staunch diy for 10 years and you know whatever happens and all of a sudden they, their income level comes up and all of a sudden they're changing their tune it's like 
you know, it's hard for me to take as a guide when they've been pointing their finger at me the whole time saying, you know, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to be. No, I saw on Facebook just the other day a post uh, that I was following of the governor's tag being filled, I believe, right there in Arizona with that monster giant bull. I actually just did a podcast episode today on that. Oh, really? With the the guide that guided that. So – I I followed the post and I was like, uh, and there were some real haters on there. I mean, yeah. really strong haters. And yeah, as I, but there were there were so many hunters though that I was encouraged by that that didn't hate on it because and they talked about the governor's tag and how it works and the conservation dollars that 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 stem from that. I think he bought the tag tag for around three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. All of that goes into conservation. Yeah. And it's a resource that the state has to continue to raise money to manage the animals for all of us. And I would love to be the rich guy that can pay $350,000 for the tag. I would right. love it if that was me. It's and, not. It's not. And me. I think and I think Brian, I think most of the haters out there and I saw probably the same post you did. In my opinion, it's a it's a jealousy thing like you said. Now, I want to make something clear. We live in America. This is a capitalistic society. And, you know, I I graduated college and I had zero money to my name. And I started my real estate license or my real estate business with nothing. And I built that real estate business up over with hard work, with no money. And I built that into a really nice business of buying and selling properties. And so I have a real hard time when I hear people saying, talking about the guy with money or the guy and he just oh he just you know it was handed to him well most rich people that i know have never had anything handed to them there are some trust fund cases where they get handed in and and that's a different case but most rich people that i know have worked very hard for it and so my idea with these auction tags is yeah it kind of stinks that if a guy just shows up, he flies in that night and he comes in the next morning and he shoots the animal. Yes, I don't like that. I have seen auction cases where guys come and hunt for 30 days or they come and hunt for two weeks. And, you know, what is the time amount that's okay in everybody's eyes? I don't know that anybody would argue or, or agree that there's any set day that, okay, if he hunts seven days, then it's okay. Yeah. My, my point is... Without these auction tags, speaking specifically in the state of Arizona, that money goes directly for that animal on the ground. And unless these people that are haters don't step up with their own checkbook and just write checks to the Arizona Game and Fish Department, nobody's gonna. So from my perspective, looking at auction tags, and I'm not a rich guy, I'm a middle class guy, but they... Those auction tags have a lot of value because there's no other way that we can generate that much money for our animals. And so, in my opinion, the haters have got to quit hating. And we've all got to start supporting all the hunters. And, you know, what I just said about DIY, someone could say, well, you're, you're hating on DIY. No, I'm not. I have my opinion. I have my perspective. That's what we're talking about. But I think in general, and I think that's why your podcast is great, other podcasts are great, we need to unite hunters together. And we need to understand that there's more than your side of the story. That 
there's these people over here and these people over here and everybody has a different perspective. But the thing is, we're all sportsmen. We're all hunters and fishermen. And, you know, so what if someone pays a half a million dollars to go shoot a bighorn sheep? It's one bighorn sheep. What can that $500,000 do for that state? Unless those same haters are going to all get together and say, we don't want auction tags. We're going to make up that 500000 it's just not likely. Yeah. So that's I, my opinion on auction tax. I completely agree. I've heard Dave Ramsey say, talk about this in a way like when, when you have a rich person go out and pay $350,000 for a tag and then go and harvest an animal like that, there's a lot of uh, resentment and anger associated with it. Uh, he mentioned this like, okay, well, because they say often, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that they get to have that much money. It's not fair because they just it was just given to them. And like you said, his point was, yeah, most of them, it wasn't given to them. They worked their cans off for it. Right. And And the other thing he said was compare this to like, no one's really out there going, you know, it's just not fair that that Michael Jordan is such a good basketball player. I mean, I would... We should all be as good as Michael Jordan. It's just not fair. No one resents him for his athletic ability in the same way that, that uh, at least not in the same way they, they do resent a rich person who and, – and that rich person got there because they're like a Michael Jordan in the economic world. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm more middle class. I'm more your – call it your high school <laughs> basketball player, okay? That – that's who I am. And now I'm trying to break out or I try to be successful given the skills that I have and whatever talent I have, whatever work ethic I have, I try to employ all of it to be as successful as I can. But I'm not maybe, let's say, Michael Jordan in the economic world. And so when right. I see someone else that's a Michael Jordan in the economic world that goes out and pays $350,000 for a bull tag, I say, cheer him on. Good yeah. job. It's nice to know that there's people that can go do that. And, 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 you know, we live in America and it's nice to be able to have the ability to say, maybe I want to do that someday. Or maybe, maybe you would, if you had that money, maybe you would never do that. You would, you know, give it to your parents or your, your kids or whatever. And that's fine too. I mean, everybody has the right to do what they want with their money. And, I think as sportsmen, we need to unite and we need to support each other. And I listened to a podcast on Joe Rogan and he had uh, uh, um, Corey, um, Corey Knowlton and he paid $350,000 for that. I think it was a black rhino. I, might, I may be right, butchering yeah, a white yeah. rhino, a black rhino. And I mean, just blew up. Just Where they darted. Crazy. Right. And no, he actually harvested it. Oh, okay. But when I listened to the podcast on Joe Rogan and I listened to Corey's whole thing, this was a rhino that was, there was only a few male rhinos left. This was an old rhino that was actually killing the only the handful of other male rhinos. And the one that he killed was actually one that was not even fertile. So yeah. he was a non-productive uh, rhino. And he was actually getting it out of the herd so that the endangered part of that group, and I could be butchering it some, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the surviving young males now would not be getting you know, hit with the big horn and, 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 and killed. And this, this, this one that he had harvested actually had killed some other young rhinos. Right. And then the whole village came and fed the whole village. And, you know, 
the money, the three hundred fifty thousand, I believe, went into the the whatever Rhino Conservancy fund that went to to try and establish and bring those back. So yeah. people need to understand that this money goes to. This isn't just some rich guy pulling up in his helicopter shooting, and then the you know the money gets thrown up in the air. That's not the case. Our game and fish agencies would not be able to function without this money. Yeah, and and that's where um, I think folks get hung up on. Um, you know, in the, in the public arena, outside of the hunting industry, we hear often things about uh, anti-hunting, all the anti-hunting push. And I think that's one thing that they don't realize is hunters are conservationists. And that title seems to be getting taken from us. And I think uh, one one of the things I like about Stephen Ranella's show and, and others that are kind of in that same vein is they're really promoting – sportsmen in a different light than they have in the past than than many shows have in the past and it's it's bringing to light the conservation efforts of our industry and like you said um it's more important that we stay together than divided and when we when we get caught up in jealousy and things like that it 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 hurts our it hurts our industry hurts hurts all of future our lifestyle yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, we need to support each other. We're going to have we're going to have differing views on a lot of things, but we need to support each other and we need to accept, you know, that we disagree and move on, but know that, you know, I support you, I've got your back, you've got mine and we need to stop all of this uh, you know, we can't be split anymore and divided. We have to be united. Well, and that brings me up to another question, another topic I had interest in. Uh, that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is around sponsorships within the hunting industry. Yeah. Because, you know, when I'm watching, like, uh, let's say I'm an anti-hunter, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I'm I'm watching some hunting TV show. I'm, I'm sitting on the outside, and I'm checking it out. And I see on the show, uh, the guy walks out. He doesn't talk much about, the country he's in or what he's do, you know, uh, the beautiful animals or anything else and, or conservation. And instead he goes out and he says, these broadheads are amazing. They cut the biggest hole and this bow is shoots the straightest arrow. And, and, uh, I couldn't be, I couldn't be out here and be successful without my such and such boots. I feel like so much is product driven that we lose sight of, the real reason we're all out there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I think in the day and age of, uh, you know, sponsorships and, and pro staffs and, and all of this different stuff, I think it's a challenge because, um, I'm sorry, my battery was here. Okay. Um, there's no credibility. I, I think with all of the sponsorships and, 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 and I'm on this pro staff and I'm on this pro staff and it's like, well, are you on the pro staff because you feel like that is absolutely the best equipment and it's the best product that you could use? Or are you on that because someone gave it to you for free or because you're being paid to say that's the best? And I do believe there is some amount of commercialization. I mean, looking at my own podcast, when I was looking at sponsors for my podcast, I had to make sure that the sponsors were some a company that I believed in. 
Yeah. You know, and, and and I think it's important, but I I do think there's a lack of credibility somewhat not only in the hunting industry, but I believe across the board. I mean, you see uh, a, a race car driver switch from one oil to the other. You see uh, in our own industry, one guy switch from Matthews to Hoyt. Yeah. And in, in for the last three years, they've been prom- promoting Hoyt bows. And now all of a sudden, they're promoting Matthews bows. And, you know, you can pick any company you want. I'm not, I don't, not right. specifically picking on those companies. I'm just using it as an example. Um, and the whole idea of pro staff is a little bit skewed because honestly, if you have a guides license or if you've hunted a lot or if you have a, a, a website or a podcast or an inter- Instagram page, y- you can get some sort of pro staff. Yeah. What does pro staff mean? Well, pro staff really doesn't mean that much because it's been so watered down and diluted in my opinion. Yeah. I think though that, um, and I said this before that pro staff, the, a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, sign up for being on pro staff because, uh, it validates them. Yeah. Uh, if it, it, it's, it's more of a label than it is, um, an actual benefit really. I, and I think you're right. And I think, you know, I don't want people to think I'm, you know, this, this angry guy from Arizona, but you bring up a good point. And that's, you know, it's like, why don't you go shoot the three pointer to win the game four or five times? And why don't you, you know, be the assist leader and and prove yourself before it seems like more guys are just trying to go out and get on pro staff than trying to prove their art and prove what they can do and, and, and be the real deal. Yeah. They're trying to get the cart before the horse. They're trying to be sponsored before they've done anything. Yeah. And, and, you know, like a friend of mine says, he says, well, sponsor me. I'm really going to do things. Yeah. It doesn't work that <laughs> way. You can't, you can't get sponsors on what you think you're going to do. Or the biggest one is I'll work harder for you than anybody else has. Well, that's subjective. I mean, right. everybody works hard. So what do you think, you know, the impact is of the culture that's this commercialization that's occurring that has occurred well i think the impact is people lose credibility quickly and i think that's a that's the, the one thing that they're trying to get sponsored they're trying to get on pro staffs and by doing that they're willing to accept any pro staff that will accept them i think what they end up doing is they end up hurting their brand they end up hurting themselves they end up hurting their reputation and to me, credibility is everything. Reputation is everything. Once you have a reputation that is scarred, you have a really hard time fixing that. Yeah. And, you know, we're all humans. We all, we all have problems and we all have our own issues. But the reality is, um, you know, you, 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 you don't need to go out there and borrow trouble. You need to prove what you can do and you need to bring value. I see a lot of people that are trying to get sponsored and trying to be on pro staffs. Why? I mean, are they bringing value to right. the community? Are they bringing value to that company? From a company's perspective, a lot of times I see these companies that are huge. They sell 40, 50, 60, 100 million dollars in stuff a year. What do they need some guy from South Bend, wherever, Indiana, and who they yeah. don't? Yeah. So unless you're providing educational, informational, uh, you know, entertaining value, 
you know, or you're shooting in 3D leagues and you're winning every time where you are an authority in your field. Yeah. I think people need to calm down on the on the pro staffs. Well, I, my biggest complaint is one of the issues I agree with you on uh, the lack of integrity that 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 there's a uh, lath. What did you say that credibility credibility that there's yeah. a lack of credibility now uh, because of and I think anti hunters see it as well. They look at the hunting yeah. industry and they see certain shows and they're like that guy. You know, there's, there's not, I don't believe a word he says. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of companies too, they're all, there's, there's only so many companies in the hunting industry. Right. And there's only so many dollars and there's so many guys and people trying to make money in the industry. And so I don't, I don't grudge anyone for trying to make an income. Uh, Absolutely not. Make money. Like we said before, this is America. Go, go out. This is a capitalistic society. Do it. But do it with merit and do it with value and yeah. know that you have to earn your stripes before some company's going to throw down and be like, yep, he, li- we're, we're yeah. sponsoring him. I, I like that. I like what you're saying. Uh, what I what I see happening sometimes is the only people that are uh, – there's not as many people spreading the message that I would like to hear about hunting because they're – so busy spreading the message that they are sponsored by so-and-so or that they love this product because they get paid for every time they say it or do it or push right. it. Right. And I would like to see so much more of that energy that they are using to promote a product go into promoting a conservation or yeah. a, a better image for hunting. Lifestyle. Yeah. And, and I sit here and I hear these things like with backcountry – uh, hunters and anglers and and other organ- mule deer foundation these conservation groups are working very hard to try to reverse like the declining mule deer populations or who are trying trying to make sure that our public lands stay public and there seems to be so little talked about that stuff except for those groups that go out and talk about it when and then the bulk of hunters are out talking about did you see that new broadhead or did you see that new that that new uh setup and and it's just that is like that's the part that concerns me right yeah we're so busy playing with our toys that we don't really we don't don't really our what our pastime and our livelihood our our passions are getting taken away from us you know I, I think you make great points. I think um, Randy Newberg, um, the the mediator guy, zero point zero, is is uh, producing another podcast. Randy Newberg, I believe it's called Unfiltered, and I've yeah. listened to a couple of episodes. And you know, Randy has his own TV show. But one of the things I do like about Randy is, or that I do like about him, is he takes a political stand. He takes a conservation stand, and you know, there may be things that I don't agree with him on. Yeah. Uh, but he's not afraid to be out there in the public eye and he's not afraid to voice his opinion and he's not afraid to support these organizations. And, you know, I think we all need to unite and we need to support the National Wild Turkey Federation, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the, the Mule Deer Foundation, the you know, all the different things, you know, Trout Unlimited. There's a lot of things that that as for me as a sportsman that I take for granted and yeah. and. I try and pinch myself every day and say, don't do it because without these organizations, uh, you know, half the stuff that, that you like to do, you wouldn't be able to do because, you know, National Wild Turkey Federation, what an what a co- unbelievable conservation story in this country. Yeah. You know, turkeys were barely even surviving 
And now they're thriving even better than ever. And that's direct effect of National Wild Turkey Federation. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. That's getting off the subject a little bit of sponsors and pro staffs, but I mean, it, 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 it kind of all ties in together. Yeah. Um, so another question I had, uh, was, here we go, was around, uh, (laughs) here we go, (laughs) was around fitness. Uh, we talked about this a little bit offline and, uh, you, you brought up, uh, cause I just did a podcast recently with, um, with Aaron Snyder around yep. diet and fitness. I, I've done one recently with mountain ops, Casey and Jordan Harbertson. Yep. Uh, we had a great time visiting. Yep. Um, although they're a little on the skinny side. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but we have this, um, uh, this push, this big kind of cultural drive in it's in, in, in the hunting industry about being fit for hunting, being yep. healthy for, fit and strong, fast and all of that for hunting. And even to the point where, um, I was very reluctant to do a podcast on it and I work out a lot. And I think there's just a handful of photographs of me on it, on, on Facebook where I've actually posted something about something I did. And, um, the podcast I did with Aaron, I is the first one I've, I'm, I've done, I'm like 20 episodes in, and that's one of the first ones I've done on like just straight fitness. Yeah. And I've been reluctant to do fitness type podcasts because it seems like everyone out there is talking about how to be fit and what, what to do to be, and that it's the recipe for success. If you don't, you know, you got trained to hunt and stuff. And if you're not out there and you're not hyper fit, you're, you're probably yeah. not going to be successful. Now, uh, I'd like to hear your take on it. Cause, <laughs> I bet you would. You had an, <laughs> a, an idea on that as well. Uh, I have a little bit differing opinion on fitness. Um, and I want to say first and foremost, I think you can, you need to be as fit as you possibly can. And I, I don't think you can be overfit. Here's what I have a problem with. And, and I can say this, I think, cause I'm 42 years old. I'm starting to creep up on the older part of being an older hunter. Um, the younger generation needs to know that being fit is very important. And the younger generation needs to know that when you're between 20 and 30, it is very easy to be fit. You have no excuse to not be fit. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I was 20 years old, I could hike up any mountain in this country as fast as anybody could. But the older I get, maybe I'm actually reverting back and I'm going to say fitness needs to be more a part of my regimen. But here's what I want to say. In my opinion, people need to work more on glassing, calling, tracking, blood trailing, all sorts of things, mapping, Google mapping, all things that do with hunting more than they need to spend four hours a day in a gym. Because muscles and, and the ability to endurance, muscles and endurance can only take you so far. I can take anybody, some muscled up sucker that's just been buffed up and I'm going to go hunt. And in the first two miles, he's back at 500 yards back sucking wind going, what did I do? There's a certain point where you need to have agility and you need to have endurance and you need to have some strength. Don't get me wrong, but I think there has been too much of an emphasis placed on fitness. Now, I've said this on my podcast before in several other different episodes. 
and I get all kinds of emails yeah, Jay, and response. It sounds like an excuse not to exercise. And, and people <laughs> would say, you know, you're 42, you're fat and lazy and whatever. But the reality is when it's hunting season, I have my way to prepare for hunting season. And yes, there's lots of people that are in better shape than me. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying you don't need to be in shape. Yeah. I think it is important. But what I think is just as important is to spend time with your binoculars, spend time knowing how to mount your binoculars on a tripod, spending time on getting the right boots for you, spending time on knowing how to call. There's so many hunters out there that they, two days before the season, they throw an elk reed in their mouth and they go, yeah, 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 and they sound horrible. Yeah. And then they go to the woods and they're, but they can charge up the mountain and run 14 ridges over, but they've forgotten the main principle of elk hunting or turkey hunting. Yeah. That is to sit and call the animal to you, not to run the animal down. And, and I feel like being 42 years old, being getting slightly up in age, in, in the regards of the hunting, you know, 20 to 60, yeah. that I'm starting to get on the older side, that I have the ability to say, work on your glassing, work on your blood trailing, work on your tracking, follow up, don't, a tra- a, just follow a track until you jump it up. You may take you two miles, it may take you 300 yards, or you may take 15 miles. Stay on that track, follow that track until you follow that animal and it jumps up. Yeah. Now you've learned something. I just feel like, and I'm not saying all of the fitness craze is not good because honestly, it's getting people more healthy and anything that's going to get people more healthy is great. But guys, in my opinion, spend more as much time as you do working out, working on your other skills, shooting your bow, yeah, I, tuning your bow, I, I, reloading. I, 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 understanding your weapon, you know, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I think that um, what, you know, when I ask myself, why is this fitness craze out there, right? I think it feels good to be healthy, to exercise. And it's great. Yes. I, think, I think that's a big part of it. I think that people want to look good. So then their yep. Instagram photos, they can, you know, la, la, la. And then when they're – but I think – like you're correct in the sense that the amount of time when they go out in the woods and they're surprised every year that they don't kill anything yet they're hyper fit. There's something out of balance there. If you're, if you want to be successful, if you want to, if you want to harvest animals and, and, and have a successful hunt, my biggest thing is I like what you're saying. I really do. I I think that, and a lot of people think that I exercise a lot. I well, from the looks of you, you do. <laughs> I, I, I exercise, um, you know, two to three days a week. And um, I, I try to do really effective exercises and keep my workouts uh, short. I don't have a ton of time, but I try to do the things that are going to give me the most, most results. At the same time, though, I've gained a lot of hunting experience from just being out in the woods. And for me, Jay, I'm not as concerned about people. Um, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I want people to go out there and spend time in the wilderness. So they more time in the wilderness than they do in the gym with their headphones in. So they're unplugged from technology. I, I feel like, man, every hour I go out and I sit in a tree stand for a blacktail, 
or I still hunt for a blacktail in the woods, I, you know, I'm doing that every chance I get during the rut during November sure. in Oregon. And that period of time, those three, four weeks, whatever, you know, tag I draw that centers me in a way that no amount of exercise does. Yeah. It, it, it when I start trying it, people are like, how can you sit? You sat in a tree stand for four days and you haven't seen a single deer. I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting. Well, and I think that's another skill that you bring up that, that I want to point out is mental toughness. And, and to me, I would rather guide a guy that's mentally tough, can shoot his weapon or shoot his firearm and can acquire a target, can glass up things on his own. And maybe it takes him a little longer to get there, but as long as he can get there, yeah, I'd rather have a guy that has all those skills than some guy that's bumping behind me going up the trail, <laughs> but he doesn't know which end of the gun to shoot. He doesn't know how to build a pack to shoot something. Yeah. He doesn't know how to trail a deer. He doesn't know how to acquire, you know, the deer coming out of the brush and acquire. He doesn't know any of that. Often and those it, things aren't glamorous though. And, and that's kind of my point is I, fitness is great. If you want to be in, if you want to eat great, okay, you're going to live longer. You're, that's going to be better for your family. It's going to be better for your friends. You're going to enjoy life more. So I'm not arguing that, but what I, what I am saying, like I've, you know, beaten a dead horse here, work on other skills as much as you work on working out, you know, practice those things that are going to make you a better hunter. Yeah. Um, and mental toughness to me is one of the most important things as a hunter and, and, and in all the hunting and all the guiding that I've done, being mentally tough and being able to take the good with the bad, being able to remain even keel. I'm a very passionate person. My, my buddy Dar's probably listening to this. My hunting partner, guiding partner is going even keel. Are you crazy, Jay? But the reality is you have to be tough. You have to be willing to get up at 3 a.m. every morning, every morning and get stronger. I see guys that come hunt with me a lot of times, you know, after seven or eight mornings, they don't want to wake up the eighth, ninth, tenth morning. Whereas I feel like after 14 days, I'm just getting warmed up. Mm -hmm. And so people need to train their mind more than anything that they can you know, see success, see the hunt unfolding, you know, and, and don't be afraid to learn. I learn from everybody every day. I love podcasts. Every time I listen to different podcasts, I learn something yeah. uh, on the internet. We have such great resources, you know, with, I'm, I'm an avid turkey caller. I'm an avid uh, elk caller. I'm really into being a student of the game. And I feel like if these young guys, and I'm not picking on you young guys because you guys are studs and, you know, we've got a great up and coming generation. But what I'm telling you is practice the things that you can have some control over. We already know you're going to be fit, so be fit. But practice all those other things and practice being mentally tough and see yourself being successful. Well, one of the things is uh, I agree with you. I think when you're out there like four hours, three hours a day in the gym working out, I, you know, that's great. You, there's a lot of other things you could be doing with your time that's less productive. But at the same time, I, and I, I feel this way that uh, hours in the gym should also coincide with hours in the forest or in the wilderness or in the area where where you recharge where you get to experience the outdoors and i don't know how to describe it but 
being able to sit still, I think I heard Stephen Ranilla talking about this. I think it was with you, on your podcast and also on with Randy Newberg when he was talking about the skills he learns from hunting a species in a different part of the country. Like yeah. he's like, so does me hunting elk in such and such part of the of uh, you know does that help me be a better hunter when I go back home and I chase let's say blacktails? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I've thought, you know, gets me thinking, right? The viewpoint, the, the, the concept. And I think absolutely in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, emphatically hunting, like being out in the outdoors and trying to hone in on a single animal, find out where it's going. Where does it live? Where is it going? Like these whitetail hunters, often I have friends that are like, you know, whitetail hunters don't really know how to hunt. You know, and, and they say, oh, they just sit in a tree stand yeah. and they sit off an ag field. They don't know what they're doing. Well, let and, me let, let, let me tell you something about that. There's a guy named Bill Winky. You've probably heard of him. He writes in all the major magazines. He owns MidwestWhitetail.com. OK, mm-hmm. the guy is considered, you know, the godfather, so to speak, of whitetail hunting. Yeah. You take that guy and you put him on any hunt anywhere. He's going to get it done. You know why? Because he thinks of every little analytical aspect of the hunt. He thinks of every little detail. He hunts a deer that, you know, if they hear anything from a half a mile away, you know, they're on alert. I mean, so I I think I want to, you know, you bring up a great point and I want to encourage people that, you know, here's the deal. You may be good at what you hunt in your backyard, but when you need to go other places and hunt and realize that you're not as good as you think you are. I have that. I have to pinch myself all the time when I think, oh, man, we killed 25 turkeys this year. I'm great. Well, why don't you go to Iowa? Why don't you go down to Mississippi and try and kill a turkey? You think you're so good. So I want to encourage people to, you know, be fit and and have a positive attitude, but Try and learn everything you can about your hunt, your area, the animal you're hunting, everything you can. I, I love being a student of the game. I'm a big fly fisherman, and uh, I, I row my own raft, and I take people fishing just for fun. And, I've seen and pictures. I, 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 I took on rowing because I fished a lot. I just wanted to be good at rowing. I want to – everything I do – and, and I don't want to say that the way I do it's the right way. I don't want to say that at all. But it's been very rewarding for me to pick new things up and try and be as good at it as I possibly can and know everything that I can know about it and try and be a doer and not one of those guys that, oh, well, I can do that. Well, can you really? Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be the guy that's, you know, rode off into some bad thing and flip the boat and learn from it. Not the guy that's, oh, yeah, why did he do that? Well, Go out there and learn do from it. experience. Do it. Yeah. Go out and do it. When I uh, hear guys talk about the whitetail hunters being like that, I think it's it's pretty short-sighted because after having patterned blacktail, I often listen to like Wired, Wired to Hunt because I, I really want to learn yeah. how to handle black because it's very similar a lot of guys say it's not the same it's not the same i'm like yeah blacktail are a little different there's a lot of similar traits a lot of similarities and i pattern and track the same deer on my property every year i know which one's which and now and then a new one pops up gets me excited but after having spent years with cameras and sitting in trees and observing deer behavior and I know so much more about blacktail deer now than I ever did. And then animals in general, like I am a 10 times different hunter now because of the blacktail deer experiences I've had 
than I, uh, than I would be if I hadn't pursued or, or spent the time, you know, s- going after them. Now, in the beginning, I thought a lot like some hunters do toward whitetail, you know, it's not the same. You know, you walk out there and you just shoot when you hang in a tree and da, da, da. No, when you start to really try to chase mature animals, older animals, a higher age class animal, they're not dumb. They are old for a reason. And when you try to kill one, you try to hunt one, it brings out a, another level of woodsman uh, skills that, that didn't exist before. I heard Stephen Ronella talking about trapping on, on this thing with Randy. Him and yeah. Randy Newberg went off on trapping on this, yeah. on this, on the Meat Eater podcast. And he was talking yeah. about how, because they're trappers, you know, Stephen Ronella says, well, trappers end up making the best hunters. Uh, with that bold statement uh he's he's saying that because they they're trying to predict what animals do and understand animal behavior in a way that's different than just walking out and walking through the woods hoping you'd run into one yeah and and i think you know back to the fitness discussion tie it all back in together that that the fitness thing is important so you can get out and live healthy and have fun but these other parts of of understanding game, understanding the the world around you, and and moving through the forest, and and ident- uh, predicting what animals are going to do and where they're going to be, all of that comes from actually putting in the time doing woodcraft out there hunting. And so don't don't spend so much time in the gym that you lose out on all of that. Yeah. I, I definitely think studying animals' behaviors and and being able to communicate with animals, whether it be calling black-tailed deer, you know, calling turkeys, calling elk, calling coyotes, whatever, being a student of game, learning what the animals do, why they do it, to me is that to me that's everything with hunting. I love all the aspects of trying to figure out, you know, why that coos deer goes here, why that bull elk comes out and doesn't come out, you know, in the mornings, but he comes out in the evenings and, and trying to be a student of the game. And, you, you know, part of why I love being a guide is it allows me to spend way more time than even if I was just hunting on my own, because I am trying to do everything I can to get my client the best situation, best opportunity and give them the best hunt that they possibly can. So I, I'm trying to eliminate all of the outside variables and I'm trying to, to learn as much as I can about those animals. And I constantly am reminded every day of how much I don't know yeah. and how much I have to learn. And I think that's one of the beauties is no matter how good you think you are, the very next one, you may just completely blunder it and, and, and botch it. And that's what keeps me coming back. It's, it's, it's very intricate. It's very detail and, 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 you know, sometimes it's easy, but most of the time it's not. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I, I had a really good time today. I mean, is there anything else? Uh, Hopefully I haven't offended all of your listeners <laughs> yet. So <laughs> no, 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 same here. I, I think it's, uh, I, I, I firmly believe this. And when I started doing podcasting, this is what, what I had told myself was, um, just to be myself. And to give yeah. my honest opinions and, and if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't, that's okay. We can still, still be friends. Uh, yeah. doesn't mean, you know, but at the same time, I don't, I, I tell myself, don't water down your message. You know, if you yeah. have a passionate opinion about something, or if you feel like you, you have something to share, don't be afraid of what others might think of what you say, because when you water down your message, so you, 
so you're careful not to offend this person, that person, and that person. Pretty soon your message is meaningless to everyone yeah. because there's no, there's no real authenticity to it. Yeah. I, I think that's your spot on. And I think, you know, you have to be yourself and you have to be authentic, just like you're saying. And the reality is we're not all going to agree on everything. And, and, you know, half of what I've said could be wrong today. It, it's just my opinion, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I feel like I can have an opinion. It may be completely wrong. It's my opinion. Yeah. You have your opinion. But, you know, we're all hunters. We're all sportsmen. Let's get along. Uh, let's pat each other on the back. Let's compliment each other when we do good. And, and when we're down and you know your buddy's down, let's lift them up and let's yeah. not beat them down. And, and, and we, we need to bring the best out in hunters, even your competitors, you, you know. We, we need to stop all of this rolling around in the dirt and we need to support each other. And we need to be feel blessed and thankful that we are blessed to be able to do what we do, number one, in this great country. And number two, in God's creation here, we have the opportunity to, 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 to interact with his animals. And I believe it's a God-given right to hunt and uh, provide meat for your family. And, and um, so, you know, it's yeah. exciting for me. I, I'm excited to be on your podcast and I'm going to double air. I'm going to air this on my podcast. So I want to appreciate having you on and I'm happy to be on your show and uh, love watching all your videos. And I'm excited to dig in more to the gritty Bowman and, and see what you're all about. And it's been a great episode here. I appreciate that, Jay. I really do. And uh, for folks that are out there, uh, I just want to encourage those that are following my podcast to go out there and, and uh, give, give Jay's a listen I um I post a lot of my shows on YouTube and what I found is there's quite a few hunters out there who really don't know how to download an, a podcast or access yeah. a podcast. So in the next few weeks we're putting together uh you know just a quick instructional thing like hey guys this is how you do it and this is the way to maximize the experience. Um but Absolutely. guys can go out and they can people can go out and find your stuff on iTunes. They can go yeah. to jscottoutdoors.com. Is that right? Yeah, let let me tell uh your listeners where they can find me and you tell your okay. listeners uh where they can I guess vice versa. Um J Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast on iTunes. You can also go on Podbean if you're a computer or Android user, you can go to Podbean and it's uh J Scott Outdoors dot podbean.com um you guys can follow my website uh, jscottoutdoors.com i have an instagram page at jscottoutdoors um youtube channel jscottoutdoors and facebook page jscottoutdoors uh that's a little bit redundant but um tell my listeners where they can get a hold of you uh so we ha our website is kind of our central hub you can go to www.grittybowman.com and you'll see uh, some links there for podcasts and that's all our podcasts are there. You can watch them via YouTube. Uh, they're embedded on the channel. You can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there and also watch them all. All the podcasts are video. They're, uh, then you can also go to iTunes and download the audio only version and right to your podcast app. And I, today, I just posted uh, them all to Stitcher, so those Android users can now go and listen to them uh, on Stitcher and download them to their, their app there. And we have um, films on our website. We put together short some short movies. We have like 
five films that I'm in the process of making right now that are a lot of fun that I'm excited to share. And we have one film, our kind of debut film is in the Full Draw Film Tour right now. So I encourage people to go support the Full Draw Film Tour, uh, go to their website. I've heard great reviews, by the way, on, on your movie that's in the Full, full Draw Film Tour. I've heard great stuff. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I've received a lot of really positive feedback there. And, you know, I wanted to make films that, um, that are meaningful to me, that, that, that have a message that I, I say it films that matter. I guess all films kind of matter to a degree, but I, I wanted them to be about life as much as they are about hunting. So this one is about my best friend's father and him and, uh, their quest for a big bull elk and, and, uh, so it's a, it's a good film. So I encourage people to go check out the Full Draw Film Tour. Uh, it travels from city to city and um, go out there and they do some great um, um, fundraising things for different organizations. And um, they've really helped kind of us budding filmmakers, us us guys out there that, that really wouldn't have the platform to share our films on that we want to, uh, to get give us a chance to get our movies out in a, in a, in a way that, uh, is pretty neat. So, um, yep, the film there and, uh, links to all of that can be found on grittybowman.com, our website. Awesome. Awesome. Well, buddy, it's been fun and, uh, thanks for having me on and, uh, look forward to doing it again. And I wish you the best of success this fall if we don't talk and I'll be anxious to see all the great content that you guys are providing and I'll be tuned into the Gritty Bowman and I just appreciate it. All right. Me too. Thanks, Scott. Jay, I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Jay Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card when signing up for the GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more, go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. 